Are you an aspiring creative in entertainment, business, fashion, design, or the arts? Do you want to elevate your creative passion project to the next level? Then this show is for you. Whether you want a career in television, film, radio, literature, music, or beyond, Creative Breakthrough will show you how to take your dreams and turn them into reality. This show will not only leave you feeling motivated and inspired, but also provide you real-life tools to pursue the creative journey you have always wanted. I'm your host, creative coach, and chicken wing lover, Shireen Kassab, a.k.a. The Funny Brown Girl. Yes, I have an unhealthy obsession with chicken wings. Now, get ready to flex your creative muscle. Lately, I've been feeling the stress. Trying to balance my comedy schedule with this podcast and my full-time job keeps me busy, and sometimes I feel like I just can't keep up. Luckily, someone introduced me to CBD to help manage my anxiety and stress, and it's making all the difference. I now use a CBD tincture and CBD gummies every day. Not only am I sleeping better, I'm also more calm. If you struggle with anxiety, stress, or even insomnia, visit HoorayForCBD.com and learn how CBD can help you. Again, that's HoorayForCBD.com. Tell them Shireen sent you. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of The Creative Breakthrough. I'm your host, Shireen Kassam. Hey, a couple of announcements before we get started. One, we are trending on Apple's What's Hot podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast. I've always wanted to be on the What's Hot list, and we're on it, y'all. Second announcement, next week will be the last episode of season one. We will then take a three-month break and resume with season two in September. This week, I want you all to make a goal or even two goals or three goals for the summer. What are you going to do to accelerate your creative journey? Are you going to write more, book more shows, take a class? Whatever it is, I want to know. So email them to me and next week we'll read some of them out loud on the show. Email me at info at funnybrowngirl.com. I'll give you an idea of what my goals are. One of my goals is to create a more positive environment for myself. Right now, I'm not in an environment that values me, and that in turn is impacting my creativity. I am aware of this, and for the next three months this summer, it is my goal to move out of that situation. My second goal is to fill up my comedy calendar for the rest of 2019. What, what? I also started a Facebook community so that we don't lose touch with each other and so we can continue to network, share ideas, and accelerate our creative journey. If you go to facebook.com forward slash creative breakthrough community, you'll find the group. Again, it's facebook.com forward slash creative breakthrough community. I'll also link to it in the show notes. Okay, so let's get started. This week, I'm speaking to Felicia Pride, and it could not be more timely because we dive into how your self-worth is connected to your creative process. Felicia is currently a writer on Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar and the co-writer and executive producer of the upcoming 2019 feature film, Really Love, produced by Charles D. King's Macro. Pride began her writing career as an entertainment journalist, contributing stories to Vibe, The Root, The Baltimore Sun, and others. After graduating from Emerson College with her master's degree in writing, literature, and publishing, she worked in New York's book publishing scene, pre-Kindle era, before carving out a niche for herself, advocating for and covering the literary works from an African-American perspective. Pride eventually became an author, penning six books, including the young adult novel Patterson Heights, recognized by the American Library Association. She was tapped by Simon & Schuster to pen two books in their Everybody Hates Chris book series based on the hit show. 
After refocusing her talents on writing more dynamic content for TV, film, and digital, Pride took a leap of faith and moved from D.C. to Los Angeles. By day, she served as the director of independent film at Tug, acquiring films for theatrical and educational distribution while writing screenplays at night. By 2016, she was selected as a film independent screenwriting fellow, and in the following year, Pride was chosen as one of eight writers for NBC's Writers on the Verge program for television writing. Now she's setting her sights on building her production company, Felix and Annie, that's dedicated to creating dope film, TV, digital, and book projects for Gen X audiences of color. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Welcome to the guest chair, Felicia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that you were able to uh, get up. I know it's really early for you in the over in the West Coast, so thank you for being here. Absolutely, thank you. <laughs> so I love starting with asking my uh, guests, how did your creative journey begin? Uh, you know, it actually began before I knew it began. I <laughs> had, um, I th- it was pretty much in college when I was majoring in business because it's kind of like a, de- a degree in an area you can get a job in. Yes. And I had a professor of English, Professor DeCrane. I went to Towson University in Baltimore. She, I, she saw something in my writing. I wrote a really angry essay about my father at the time and she loved it. She saw something there and she submitted it to this contest and I won this contest and she's really encouraging me to um, minor in English or consider you know writing as a career and of course at that time I didn't know any writers you know I didn't know what that looked like as a job so I was like that sounds crazy um, but it always stuck with me her uh, validation in many ways right so I continue with my marketing degree <laughs> and I leave college and I start working in corporate America and marketing and I'm bored um, out of my mind so I find this opportunity to write it's like an internship for a community newspaper and basically the publisher would allow us all these interns to published pieces in his newspaper. It's called Black Rain News out of Staten Island. And I remember being assigned a review of Mary J. Blige's No More Drama album. So this was like 2000, 2001. And I wrote the review, even though I had no idea about like music criticism. I just knew I knew Mary. I was like, oh, I can write this. And I wrote <laughs> it. And when I, he, he would mail us copies of the newspaper. And when I got a copy and saw my name in print, that kind of changed the game for me because I felt like I was being heard. I, I mean, I didn't know how many people were reading it, but something about seeing my name there just really, really gave me uh, a thrill that I, I, to this day, has not changed. Um, and so that's how I got started um, writing, but I still was the practical side of me was still there. So I was like hopping from job to job, but I was still emerging as a freelance writer. Um, And I was doing like music and entertainment. And then I decided, you know what, let me study writing. Let me go back. I really wanted to write a book. I remember going to Barnes and Nobles and like buying a book on how to write a novel. (laughs) And I was like, let me go back to school. So I ended up going back to school for a master's at Emerson. And I was in the writing and literature and publishing department. And I kind of really fell in love with with books and writing. And I remember, though, at that time, I was like, you know what? I want to like run my own independent publishing house, my own independent press. And so when I left school, I still had that practical side 
where I was like, okay, I need a job. I need to work in the business. And so I started working in publishing in New York. On the side, I continued to write and I started to focus a lot on writing about books as well as writing about publishing from an African-American perspective. So I would interview editors and publicists who were working in the business who were Black. And um, that opened me up to a lot of contacts and, and relationships. And I was able to land my own literary agent. And from there, I wrote six books. Um, <laughs> so many you can't keep track <laughs> So, well, so I was able to so far as you were a side hustler before side hustling became a term. I I always had I think it was from my father. My father was um a salesman but always wanted to work from his for himself. So I think I have that sort of entrepreneurial aspect to me. Um and so I yeah, I've always kind of had that there. So I, I wrote the books and for a moment I was a full-time writer and it was it was a thrill. It was glorious. I loved it. And then Publishing started to kind of dry up for me, and I made the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life, and I stopped writing. And the thing was, I needed to get a job, which was fine. I could have got a job, but I should not have stopped writing. I could have been working and writing at the same time, but I stopped writing. And Why did you stop? I don't know. I think what happened was I became resentful of the fact that in my head, writing was no longer financially supporting me and sustaining me. And I just really had a fucked up relationship with the work at that at that point. Um, I didn't realize that I was putting too much pressure on writing. Um, and I just kind of walked away from it. And I opened up a consultancy where I was doing marketing and outreach for films and books. And so I did that for quite some time. And I came to a point about four or five, about five years ago, where I was just creatively bored. I was not satisfied. I was burnt out. I was tired of chasing checks. And I remember meeting with my mentor and I was, and she could see like the misery and hear the misery and how miserable I was. And she was like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to, I want to write again. I want to write, you know, and I also was really like, I want to write for film and TV. And she's like, well, you need to go to the biggest market. You need to move. And at that point, I never thought about moving to LA because I thought the place, I would have fun when I visited, but I still was like, it's too far because I was living on the East Coast at the time. And I was like, the people are weird. And I had all these reasons. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> I could not move. But when she said that to me, I was, it, it made so much sense. I was like, yes, that's what I need to do. Because I'm the type of person who needs to be backed into a corner so I can come out swinging. And I was like, this is what, and I needed to shake shit up, quite honestly. I was like, I need to shake shit up. I'm going to move. And I moved about four years ago. And it was one of the best decisions I've made because I needed that. I needed that time to kind of be with myself creatively, emotionally. It was just a lot of stuff I had and a lot of junk that to this day, I'm still clearing out. And I also, because I didn't recognize then the, the strong connection between craft and self-work. So yeah, that's kind of a nutshell of like my journey to this So when you moved to LA four years ago, did you move knowing that you were going to, like, did you have things set up already in terms of film and writing or were you going to get a job and start again? Girl, I um, (laughs) I had one feature. I had one feature and I actually got that feature made, but I had one feature. um, And part of my goal was to come out here and get the feature made. 
um, that features what eventually became Really Love that's um, being produced by Macro. So I had that, but that's it. So I knew coming out here, I had to get a job. So I had started like interviewing from the East Coast and then recognizing like, oh, I need to kind of be there for these some of these in-person interviews. So I actually landed a job pretty early on um, from get, from arriving here. Uh, it turned out to be with like some crazy people. And then I landed a job that I actually loved. I became director of independent film um, at a distribution company, which was a, a, a clear extension of what I was doing around marketing and outreach for films, mainly documentaries. So I had this job that I loved. I was going to film Sundance and film festivals for free. And I was helping film um, filmmakers because I do like to be in a position of service to creators, especially those of color. And I loved my job. But what I realized was that I was starting to get comfortable, right? Like I was right. not really writing. Um so the wonderful thing that happened in, in September, I remember this was like September 2016, I was selected to be in the Film Independent Screenwriting Lab. And it was so amazing because it reminded me of why I came out here. It reminded me of how much I love to be um, in creative spaces with creators thinking creatively, right? Um, and having this sort of sacred time to do that. And so it was a really great experience. So come October, the next month, I was fired from my job. I was oh, let wow. go. Because, um, because they saw that you were interested in something else? No, or? they were doing layoffs. I was laid off. Okay. Um, okay. And it was devastating to me. Um, but I also realized now that, like, that was what was supposed to happen. God was, like, reminding me, like, you came out here to write. So get it together. Get clear. So after that, I took time to get clear again and to get back into alignment. So I was like taking on all these little odd jobs that, and the other thing that I had to do, what I realized is that people started to associate me as an executive and I came mm-hmm. on here to write. So I started taking all these odd jobs that no one knew about to like, uh, pay my bills, but I started to psychologically shift and put the writing first and actually also physically put the writing first and also reposition myself as a writer. Cause people forgot, I forgot, you know? So I, that time was like me really, really digging my heels back into and clawing my way back into being a writer again. So I was taking classes. I got a career coach who focus on, focuses on TV writer, TV film writers. I joined the writing group. Um, I was just writing like crazy. I was really working on my portfolio because I had nothing but that feature. Um, So I was really, really putting in the work in and really reconnecting with the work and reestablishing my relationship with the work um, and, and sort of creating a purity within it. So this was around 2015? This was, I moved in 2015. So this was around mid 20, this was the end of 2016. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about the coach. Like how did the coach help you kind of reinvigorate yourself and find yourself again? Especially because, sorry, uh, I want to add on to that because I'm assuming you were stressed out, right? Having to do these odd jobs to pay your bills and stuff. So how do you even keep the creativity going when you're so stressed? Um, It was kind of stressful, but I also felt good because I was writing. Okay. You know what I mean? And I felt like, and I was able to find some cool job, well, cool jobs in that <laughs> they, uh, 
I was able to put my writing first. So I wasn't so stressed out in that. More of the stress and anxiety came from me feeling like I was behind. I've taken so long. I, I left writing for so long. I'm behind. I'm trying to catch up. So a lot of it was self-induced. Um, but I knew also that I was producing. So it was like, oh, I'm finishing pilots and, oh, you know, there is something here with, with TV writing in me. And so those were kind of helping me with validating that I was doing the right thing, but it's, uh, you know, I moved out to LA when I was 35. So Mm -hmm. I'm also like, I'm not young. It's the sort of that quote unquote Hollywood young. It's that sort of anxiety that I had, but I knew that I was on the right track. I just had to keep writing. Mm-hmm. And is, is that what the coach helped you with? Yeah. She also helped me to get clear because she, for, you know, film is a director's medium. TV is a writer's medium. She was like, you really should focus on TV right now. She helped me to also think about how I should position myself as a TV writer. Cause when you're trying to break in, you kind of need a brand. Um, people need to understand like who you are, what your story is and what you write. So she helped me to conceptualize that what opportunities I should be going after, um, even, you know, doing reads of my work. She was really, really instrumental in helping me get focused and also a plan that made sense for the industry. Because I still came out here and was overwhelmed by how do I break in? Because there's so many different ways. And I'm also... Mm -hmm. You know, because I was 35, I'm like, yeah, the assistant route just ain't going to work for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so I had to think about crafting my own way, which I was used to doing, but I still was like overwhelmed by how do I break in? So she helped me to get focused and have a plan. Can you share with us some of the plan? Um. Yeah. So, wow, I'm trying to remember. So, <laughs> and my coach's name is um, Carol Kirshner. Um, she's a one, she's wonderful. She's been in the business forever. Um, she is behind a lot of important, um, diversity programs, the CBS diversity program, the, um, writers guild, um, showrunner program, um, Humanitas, one of the Humanitas awards. So she like knows a lot of people and is really, really knowledgeable. And we started with like, personal branding and thinking about what my story was. Cause I also didn't know what type of writer I was. Was I drama? Was I comedy? Was I dramedy? How do I, how do I express that? Um, so we, we worked a lot about that. Then we also worked on like, okay, how do I position myself to try to get represented? Um, what does that look like? What do I need to do? What are the fellowships that I should be applying to? Um, so things like that, she helped me to develop a plan around. Okay, cool. So I know you were, um, you earned a spot, you mentioned you earned a spot in the film independent screenwriting lab, and then you were part of the NBC's writers on the verge program. So can you talk to us a little bit, like what advice would you have to creatives about such competitions and like, what do they need to be working on or focusing on to get a spot in those coveted um, programs? Yeah, I, you know, they, one thing I would say is that, um, I think sometimes people put all their eggs in one basket. Um, And I think that the programs are amazing. I had amazing experiences, but they're not the end all be all. And I think that people also have expectations that because you're in a program, something is going to happen. And I've been learning over this journey is that to release myself from expectations and specific outcomes. And also, I don't expect anybody to do anything for me. So I'm also 
sort of, um, which helps me to operate from a place of gratitude more often and surprise, Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, like you didn't have to do that because people don't have to do anything for you. And I think also as creators of color, we kind of know that um, it's, it's, it's different for us. Right. So I tried to release my expectations for things and going into the fellowship process, I was new to my, I didn't know that it, how big of a deal it was out here. Um, like I applied the first year I moved out and then I didn't apply the second year and I applied the third year. And while I did position myself more to have success, people take it very, very seriously. I think almost too seriously. Like, and I think that, that, because the most important thing is the work. So, um, what I did do was I took like a fellowship class from Script Anatomy. They te- they teach a bio class because I didn't realize how important the bios are as part of your application um, and how por- important your story is and also your ability to be vulnerable, right? Not just on the page, but through your inter- through the interviewing process. And I think as sometimes as writers, we um, don't we don't nurture that side of us and it's really really important particularly if you want to be a tv writer because you have to go into the room and like share (laughs) you know what i mean and so i find that sometimes writers uh we're great on the page but our social skills are not where they need to be so i through that process i kind of learned that and so i would recommend number one of course getting the your work as tight as possible your portfolio and you know a lot of the programs they want a spec script and they want an original pilot and i would recommend for your spec script to take a take a risk so i wrote a atlanta spec script um that was very risky uh and it allowed me to stand out you know, if you think about, like you said, they are coveted. They get tons of applications. How can your spec stand out? Also, my original pilot tonally was similar to my spec. So it was cohesive in that way. I think that helps a lot. And then also the story that I told was cohesive with the the tone of my pilots. Um, and so I think that that Putting that effort into the application goes a long, long way. And putting that effort into your story goes a long, long way. And then after you do the work, release. Like, like you can't control. It's out of your control. As long as you've done your best, then that's all you can do. And so I'm like, I'm always like release and then go and write something new and keep writing, you know, because I think right. that people put so much pressure on like they have like if they don't get it, that's their that it, they're never going to break through. And I'm like, nah. and I think that my attitude about it actually opened me up to, to be selected, honestly. Where do you draw your inspiration from to keep writing? Uh, Well, I don't need inspiration to write um, or motivation to write anymore because I just, I've been in a place where I was not writing and I do not want to go back there. (laughs) And also the, I just love it. I love writing. Um, Mm So for where me, do you get the inspiration for the stories the that you story, tell? Uh, a lot of it comes from my life. And when I say my life, that includes like everybody in that orbit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so a lot of that comes from there. And then a lot of it also comes from source material. I, Because I worked in book publishing, because I wrote books, um, one of the things that I really am interested in and... Uh, really going after is adaptations of books. 
particularly by people of color, because there's so much gold out there um, that I don't know. Sometimes Hollywood will option it, but I don't know if they know how to bring it to screen. Uh, so that's one thing that I'm really, really interested in. How do you do that? Like, so you mentioned you landed a feature film with Macro, which is a leading authoritative media brand representing the voice and perspective of people of color. But you took you took them a, a script. So how do you how do you transition from taking your film from page to screen? Yeah, I mean, uh, the director and I, Angel Christie Williams, um, we met. We're both from Baltimore. We met out here. Uh, we met kind of like we, we, we were meant to, to meet because <laughs> I was like, she was like, Oh, what do you do? It was like, like at a cookout. And I was, I was like, Oh, I'm a writer. And I was like, what do you do? She's like my director. I was like, Oh, what type of stuff do you direct? She was like, I really want to direct a romantic drama. And I was like, I got one. <laughs> <laughs> From there, we started to work together to redevelop the script. And it was she and I who went in and pitched it to macro. Um, and we, we had to, we went in maybe twice to pitch before they were like, yeah, let's do this. And so that was my role in that part in terms of, and then, you know, pre-production and all that happens where the director picks up and takes over. But it was, it sounds easier than what it was (laughs) because I wrote the first version of the script 10 years ago. And in between then and now a lot of things happen. A lot of mistakes were made. I was, I had no idea how to try to make this film. Um, you know, so I learned a lot, but then once I came out here and was able to connect with Angel, we were one accord and, you know, my sort of background and distribution and understanding how, uh, how um, companies buy films, not just when they're finished, but also what they're thinking about on a, on a script level. I, you know, also helped in determining buyers that might be interested in this type of project and this, at this budget level. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like every story is different on how you bring it from page to screen. You know, at that point I was unrepped. We were both not repped. So it was a lot of going through our own networks and connecting with people and letting them know about this film. And we had this script and um, so, yeah. So you mentioned networking twice. How, how, how would you say, um, would it be, how important is it to have a network or support system or even mentoring in this field? It is invaluable. I don't know how you do it without it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. Like I feel like, well, there's three parts. So networking, I'll start with networking. Um, no, my father would always say that that classic line in your network is your net worth. And it's absolutely true. I feel like most of all of my opportunities um, have come from networking have come from my network have come from the relationships that I have. And so I take that very, very seriously. And I think that's also as writers and as people who like to be in the back cave alone writing, we have to realize how important it is to foster relationships. Uh, So I take that very, very, very seriously. And then in terms of support system, one of the things that have gotten me through is my writers group. I have a uh, amazing writers group. We are multicultural. Let's see, we have um, April. She, um, who is Asian, fantastic um, half hour, but now she work, work, writes on hour longs. 
um, Jimmy Masqueda, who is Mexican, just finished the CBS, um, the ABC program and was staffed. Elena, who is uh, part Mexican. Uh, Roche Jeffrey, who is Elena Cravello. Roche Jeffrey, who is black. I'm black. And then we have our little L'Oreal, who's 25 and who's Jewish. And she's a, <laughs> she's a fucking beast. Um, and that group has been so crucial in my creative development, but also to have people that you can vent to who understand what you're going through, um, especially through this industry and how it can treat creators of color, um, people to lean on, people to read your work, people to cheer you on. Like this business is so nutty. It's so nutty that I realized early on that self-care and support is really, really important. So that's that part. The mentorship piece is something I'm actually uh, need that I don't have. I'm like, I have informal mentors and people who don't know they're my mentor, but I do think that I want um, a more formal relationship. So that's something that I'm going after. And then there's self-care that I I prioritize. Um, I do yoga, I do hot yoga, meditation, hiking, therapy, um, all of that in order to stay grounded because the business is nutty and I see how it can make you uh, misaligned in many, many ways. Mm -hmm, For sure. Just really random between your writer's group and then you're a writer in the writer's room for Queen Sugar. What would you say is the average age? Well, I'm the oldest in my writer's group. <laughs> um, and and L'Oreal's the youngest at I think she's turning 26. Um in the room, I'm in the middle. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the middle. So it's never too late then, is what you're saying. Really? No, anybody I, I would be... say that for TV writing in particular, you know, I have used my age to advantage an advantage for myself because I have so much life experience and so much just varied experience because I've done so so many odd uh, careers and jobs running away from writing that I I use that as as an advantage because I'm able to bring that into the room and the TV writers room you know is not just about how good you are on a page but and how you can deconstruct story but also you know, your ability to generate story. And I think that, um, at least in my opinion, from my perspective, um, because I had, I've had life experience, I I have a lot of stories to tell, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so that, that, and also just coming out here, I think one of the reasons why I've been able to move in people's eyes as quickly as I've been able to move, um, because I've sold a show, I sold a feature and I got staffed literally in a year is because of the maturity that I have in my ability to um, like just that, that maturity around knowing people and knowing how to work with people and work around people. Um, And I think that's aided me and has been to my benefit. Now, of course I have those times where I'm like, damn, if I was moved out here at 25, you know, but I don't know what my, my, my journey would have been. You know, I think everything happens for a reason. I think that, and I have to know that I am in the right time, right space at the right time. Right. No, that's super important. I think a lot of us think we've, we've, oh, we've passed that age when, when we can move to LA or we can pursue our dreams, but you're, you're like a real life example of like everything happens for a reason and move at our own pace. And it's still, it'll still work out positively. 
Absolutely. And I mean, that comes from a lot of the self work that I do, you know, and a lot of because we have so much conditioning, especially as uh, as creatives, which, you know, is a job that people um, have so many misconceptions about. And also that sometimes people look at us so like we're weirdos and that we're we're not as accomplished and we're not this and we're not that, that the self work is really important to keep us grounded. Um, So, yeah. So you had mentioned earlier in the conversation when we were talking about um, writing competitions, you had mentioned things are different for us. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges or struggles you have had to overcome or the hurdles you've had to jump across to kind of prove yourself because things are different for us? Yeah. Um, I think there's the, the sometimes the misconception. There's a few things happening, right? There is the pressure of what do I write because I don't want basically white folks to think a certain kind of way about me. Like, do I write mm-hmm. about, you know, my people, quote unquote, <laughs> do yep. I not write about my people? <laughs> and actually a, a, um, a, a writer I know had hit me up on like messenger was like, she wanted to write an, an insecure spec, but was concerned that people would expect her to write. Um, and when we say people, we're saying white people, right? Expect her to write um, that. And I was like, well, and I think this is also where age comes in. I was like, I'm not, I rarely concern myself with the white gaze. And I'm like, write what you love. My first spec was a Broad City spec because I love that show. And then when I, my second spec for the writing competitions was Atlanta because I love that show. And I also thought I could like, knock it out the park with both of those. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it has to be a very personal decision. It cannot be based on, you know, what white people think and what white people want because that changes <laughs> and, and you can't control that, you know? So I think that that's an issue that um, we have to deal with. Also the idea that our work isn't as good and our work isn't as accessible because it isn't quote unquote universal, which is bullshit, you know? So there's those things. And I feel like Partly that I've been dealing with those four in different aspects of my career and different ways that I recognize it, but I don't let it stop me. And I also don't um, make decisions based on it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that a lot of us have to come to that place where we make decisions based on what's best for us um, versus, you know, what we, what we deem is best for the majority. Right. And how do you think that, is it, do you think it's your maturity that's allowed you to take that bigger step? I think it's my maturity. I think it's how I think about myself as a black woman um, and the value that I bring to the table. Um, It's also, you know, not believing the hype of that because it's white, it's better. Um, so it's it's a lot of that. And it's a lot of also just like again going back to like self-work and um and also life experience and my experiences around race and being a black woman for nearly 40 years. Um so yeah. Do you feel like there's an opportunity today for people to for us and when I say us my people of color to use those stories to our advantage now? To use the stories of uh, just our backgrounds and our cultures and our histories. 
I mean, absolutely. I, I just feel like we need to tell the stories that are burning inside of us, period. Mm-hmm. Like that, like that is my chart. I mean, I have two charges in life. One is to protect my black joy. <laughs> like that's <laughs> my main life charge and it's a full-time job. And then the second is to tell the stories that are burning inside of me. So my urgency isn't necessarily around anything else in terms of like money, although I do want to be wealthy, you know what I mean? But it's really because I have stories that I have to tell, stories of people who need to be um, amplified, whose stories need to be amplified. That that mission is so important and so crucial. And that's what I, that's what I sort of push towards. And it cannot be, I cannot be stopped by pers- market perceptions. I can't be stopped by you know, perception steeped in bias and racism and sexism. And I have to, I have to keep writing. I have to keep creating. And that's sort of how I position um, that. So what advice do you have for other creatives on their journey? Mm. Put the work first. So everything else is fleeting, right? Um, And everything else can be taken away. And if, what I realized is that now that my relationship with the work is pure, I'm unstoppable. Meaning like no one can take away this talent. No one can take away my ability to, to write. So I am unstoppable in telling stories and continue to telling stories. Now, of course, the challenge is the systems of distribution, the systems of green lighting. And those are things that I think as people of color, we definitely need to be thinking about and be savvy about um, but also recognize that we have audiences that we can go directly to, you know. So I, I would say put the work first. I would also say, you know, the self work is really important to the craft work. You know, you can sometimes talk to people who quote unquote haven't broken through, and sometimes you can tell why, and it's because of how we think of ourselves. It's because of, you know, the fact that we think that. Um, we are deserving, but we also have to match that with the work. Um, so we, so yeah, I would say the self-work is important and patience goes a lot, a long way. I, um, especially younger in age writers, I feel like there's this anxiety. I don't know if it's because success is more visible through social or the perception of success is more visible, but they just want, like, they want stuff to happen tomorrow. And I'm like, girl, there's nothing wrong with struggling. I, like, talked to some young writers. And I was like, what's wrong with struggling? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's wrong with building resilience? What's wrong with making stuff with your friends? Like, the fact that you have this wonderful writers group, there's, like, six of them, and they have this run. What's wrong with making stuff with your friends while, you know, being a barista and figuring out your life? You're 23. Like, come on. You know, but I think that there's just, it, it's just a different space because of social. So. Yeah, I would say patience goes a long way. And while you're waiting, quote unquote waiting, um, you're working, you're writing and, and, and writing those stories that are burning. When you keep, when you keep mentioning self-work, is that the same thing as self-care or is that different? I think they're connected, but I think self-work is really in terms of like breaking down those things that don't serve you and meaning thoughts, behaviors, um, narratives that you tell yourself that don't serve you. Um, that's kind of what I mean. And it's part of where, absolutely. 
Oh yeah, I think we all need that. I think we, I think social media needs to have like a a following on self work. Yes, it's so important. And then the conditioning, the societal conditioning that we have accepted, and and you know a lot of that we need to break down and and release. And it's mm-hmm. a lot. It's hard work. It's hard. So before I jump into the lightning round, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned a lot of resources that you've taken advantage of when you moved to LA. Are there any resources that you would suggest to people perhaps not in LA? Yeah. Um, Script Anatomy is where I took my classes and they offer online classes. They're all um, taught by television writers. I know they may be trying to add like feature classes and that sort of thing, but they do have online classes. So I would recommend that. Um. That's probably one of the biggest ones that that I've had. And I feel like, you know, you can, um, if you don't, if you're not in a writer's group, form one Mm -hmm. where you are, you know, find those people who are like-minded and who want to do the work and get together. I would definitely recommend that wherever you are. Okay. Awesome. So let's jump into the right lightning round. The lightning round, I'm going to ask you five questions, rapid fire, and you just tell me the first thing you think of. Okay. Cool. Okay. Question one, what's the best piece of advice you've received? (laughs) Um, People want to get on a moving train. People want to, so like don't get on it or get on it? No, people want to get on a moving train, meaning generate heat and get your train moving and you'd be surprised how many people want to get on it. Ah, okay. I like that. Ava DuVernay told me that. Oh, no way. Awesome. I was going to just tell you, put it on a t-shirt, but I guess it's taken. (laughs) What's your definition of success? Oh, gosh. Um, I think being prolific. Being prolific is my, because I think when you're, everything stems from the work from me. So if I'm prolific in my work, the the money, the joy, the, the creativity, the freedom comes from that. And then I guess the second answer would be freedom of all kinds. Professional, financial, creative freedom would be success. I like that one. Who inspires you and why? I think, oh gosh. And it's supposed to be the first, my first person that came to mind is my mother. Um, I, I just, she, you know, she's the reason why I'm able to do this. She, um, made many choices that allowed me to do this. And so I also feel a sort of responsibility of like an obligation. Like I have to follow this talent. I have to put it to use because my mother, um, made a lot of sacrifices for me to do that. What's a habit that's helped you on your journey? Uh, listening to self-help audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs> like I was listening to one this morning. Um, they really helped to, again, keep, keep things grounded. Um, and then also, um, one of the, I do, I go hiking every day with a friend, every set Sunday with a friend where we're able to vent about the business and also get in some steps. So that's been a habit that's been helpful. Is there any self-help tapes or books you recommend to creatives? Oh gosh, I have a long list. Um, but Right now, I found this new podcast I like called the Mind Your Business Podcast because, like, my theme for 2019 is the Mind My Business, literally. And he, I actually like it a lot. So I haven't. I've, it's new, so you know, I'm I'm not completely co-signing, but I do like it. <laughs> okay, well, listeners, you can take a listen. I give you permission only after you've listened to this one. <laughs> <laughs> 
What do you want your legacy to be? Um, well, one of the things that I, you know, I, I run this service called the Create Daily that I started in 2012. Um, started at is sending one email a day to creators, specifically creators of color. Um, and it was one opportunity a day. So it's grant money, it's programs, it's fellowships. Um, and I've been running it for six years. And I think it's really important for us to support each other as creators and as creatives. And so I think my legacy, in addition to stories that touch people years from now, is also, you know, being a part of other people's journeys, however I can help. Awesome. Felicia, if our listeners wanted to connect with you online, where could they find you? Uh, Felicia Pride um, is my handle on Twitter and Instagram, FeliciaPride.com. And the Create Daily is a free uh, email newsletter. It's now weekly. So I, I curate a bunch of cool resources and opportunities. And you can sign up for that at TheCreateDaily.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Hey, before you hit pause, did you find this episode helpful and enjoyable? If so, could you leave an Apple podcast, aka iTunes review? It'll take you less than one minute and mean the world to me. The more ratings and reviews the show gets, the more people are able to find this podcast. If you're unsure how to leave a review, no worries. If you're on your iPhone or iPad, go to the homepage of this show and scroll down to write a review. Click on it and you'll be able to rate and review the show. If you're on a Mac from iTunes, go to the show homepage and on the top, click ratings and reviews. Also, please subscribe to get the latest episodes once they drop. If you enjoy the episode and know someone who would love it, please share. From your iPhone, click on the icon with three dots and then share via social media, email or text. If you want to hear more, head over to funnybrowngirl.com forward slash podcast. You can also find me online. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Funny Brown Girl. Also, sign up for my free newsletter for more tips to advance your creative journey at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. And again, if you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Next week.